Alright, alright. Time to dive into deep space for another one of my top 10 gothic horror movies. It's the one, the only, Alien. There have been a lot of imitators, but none of them can even touch this movie. So if you're ready to talk about it, birth and death in outer space. Thanks, and welcome back to Speaking of Gothic. Before we get into the episode this week, I just want to say that if you're enjoying the show, please let people know. Spread the word. That's the only way a podcast like this is going to be known. Share it on social media. Let folks that you know that listen to podcasts, let them know that they can listen to it wherever they listen to their favorite podcast shows. Right now, we're on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Index, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Listen Notes, and Player FM. Eventually, we'll be on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I've been checking every day, but fingers crossed we should be on there soon. So wherever you can listen to your podcast, and you can also listen to it on Buzzsprout directly, but it will really make a big difference. So thank you very much if you're enjoying it, and let's get after it. The film is directed by Sir Ridley Scott, starring Tom Skerritt, Harry Dean Stanton, Ian Holm, John Hurt, Veronica Cartwright, Yafit Koto, and introduced the incomparable, the amazing, the extraordinary talent that is Sigourney Weaver. So for any listeners new to the show, I like to try to recap the gothic horror tropes before I talk about a particular movie. So we're going to do that again. And these tropes are not in order, but they're just some that I've noticed in my research about gothic horror movies, and they seem to fit with all the movies that I'm picking. And Alien is one in particular, So, but these are the tropes right here. The grotesque, some sort of dark subject matter, the supernatural and or creatures, gothic environments, which could be castles, underground mansions, basements, lairs, maybe even spaceships, women in distress, and I'm going to start saying persons in distress because they're not always women that are in distress in these movies. There's a sense of isolation or remoteness in the character's mind. Suspense, mystery, tension, fear, of course. Heightened, exaggerated emotions, which play into the what I said just right now. Characters who may or may not possess some kind of psychic link, connection, or ability. And some sort of gothic and or formalized language. Alien is a really fascinating movie. Wait, may I share a story with you? 1979. My older brother comes home and tells me about a movie that he saw and in this movie he said there was a part that was so intense that people ran screaming from the movie and he said people were getting sick so I was thinking god I need to see this movie but I was too young I couldn't see it I don't think I saw Alien until it was probably on VHS maybe on TV or something and I remember it's one of the only movies that my mother who is not even a movie fan or a horror fan. Uh, that's one of the movies that she could talk about. That one scene in particular. And if you've seen the movie, you know exactly which scene I'm talking about. It takes place probably 40 minutes into it, if, if, if that much. But anyway, it's a fascinating movie. 
Um, Sir Ridley Scott, who directed that, also directed Gladiator and a bunch of other things. He was inspired by the artwork of a person named H.R. Geiger. Geiger, Geiger, however you pronounce it. And this artwork is crazy. I mean, it's psychosexual art that almost borders on the perverse. It's this weird concoction of biomedical depictions of orifices and birth canals and other things that I just I can't even describe. And if you want to peek into Geiger's world, just check out any of the books. You can just go to Amazon or wherever and just type in his name. And I guarantee his artwork is nightmare fuel. It's pretty disturbing. So I can see how really Scott was in it, you know, influenced by the look of the artwork. So much so that he brought him on to design the creature and design the alien spaceship, the derelict spaceship and some other things. So ugh, disturbing stuff for sure. Has there ever been a film that you've watched that stuck with you so much that you found that you revisited it year after year? Or one that maybe you didn't realize it was influencing you, but then when you held it up to other movies, you're like, oh man, this movie was made so long ago, but it's still fantastic. Well, for me, that movie is Alien. It's so crazy because 1979, it's a long time ago now for most of us, even for me. You know, I was, I don't know, 13 or something, 14 maybe. And even now, when I watched the film, I had the Blu ray, and my God, it looks amazing on Blu ray. It is a perfect movie. There aren't many movies that I can call perfect movies. So, first, I'm going to talk about how it's a perfect movie in and of itself. There is. Not one detail or story point or element that feels out of place where it doesn't get wrapped up or where you say, oh, no, I don't believe that. Everything works. It's, it's perfect. I think it's probably really Scott's most perfect movie. Um, and as a horror movie, it's perfect. I mean, and let's make no mistake about it. People like to call Alien a science fiction film. Yeah, it's a science fiction film. It's sci-fi. But it is a horror film, first and foremost. For those of us horror fans, we know it's horror. For all these films that I talk about, I like to apply my gothic horror trope test to it. So we're going to do the same with Alien. Let's talk about gothic environments first, because I believe with Alien, you have to start the environment. Now, the movie takes place in two primary locations. One is planet LV-426. And then the other location is in deep space aboard the commercial towing vessel, the Nostromo. Now, when they're on LV-426, they're called there. And this is not going to, I'm not going to go into the entire plot. And again, I'm going to try not to spoil anything because for those of you who incredibly have not seen Alien, I don't want to spoil anything for you. But I have to kind of give you this setup. On the planet, um, there is a derelict spaceship. And this spaceship is like nothing I've ever seen in any science fiction film. And I've seen lots of sci-fi in my lifetime. And the ship itself, it's organic looking, but then it has mechanized alien machinery. And there's a cargo hold that has what appears to be thousands and thousands of organic egg-like structures. And the other thing about this spaceship and this is definitely all the influence of 
H.R. Geiger, who, Geiger, who built this. The, the spaceship, the inside appears feminine, and there are these oval, uh, dare I say, vulva-shaped openings. <laughs> Again, it's disturbing. And there are long corridors of bone-like substances and tall cathedral ceilings in certain parts of the derelict. And there's like an ever-present layer of mist covering the eggs. And for me, when I watch it, it feels very much like the mist that would cover the moors or the woods or any sort of gothic horror movie. The mist is very much in line with that. And the main action of the movie takes place on the Nostromo. And again, in the Nostromo, it has this claustrophobic feeling, claustrophobic feeling. There, there, there are some large spaces which seem to me like cathedrals, but then the majority of the ship, the ceilings are low and there's steam everywhere. And there are thousands and thousands of potential hiding places where danger could be lurking. Let's talk about the grotesque. When Kane, one of the crew people, he investigates an egg structure inside the derelict spacecraft. Tip for you non-horror fans. If there's a bunch of weird-looking shit in the bottom of a spacecraft, don't go investigate. Bad stuff's going to happen. I'm just saying. Anyway, Kane goes down there. And there's an egg structure that's pulsating with light and liquid. And inside, there's this disgusting jellyfish-looking alien form, which, of course, attaches itself to his face. So he shouldn't have went down there in the first place. The facehugger life form is so disgusting, and I love it. It's, it's slick and has what looks like gestational juices. And its blood is some sort of oxygenated acid that can eat through metal and anything else. It's really disgusting. And each phase of the horror of the alien's lifestyle seems to be more grotesque than the next. And without giving too much away and a major plot point, there's a version of the alien that, how should we say, gestates inside a human host and uh, there is what I would call a birth scene, which is pretty violent. So take from that what you will. And the final form of the alien, it seems to be like a parody of human form. It's got these fast reflex, a tail stinger that can impale someone, and it has a mouth within a mouth that has sharp, jagged teeth that can project from inside its skull in a rapid striking motion. It's, it's amazing. And the thing about the alien, that it's so different, and it's so bizarre that it can kind of conjure nightmares. It can, it can stay with you. And I think that's why it's lived in the psyche of American pop culture for 40 plus years. Yeah. Let's go on dark subject matter. What's terrifying is that it strikes from anywhere without warning. So you never know when the creature is going to strike or if it's even going to strike. And having said that, obviously there's no supernatural in this movie, but there's a creature. It's an alien, and the alien's organic. And what is also fascinating and terrifying is the fact that we never understand the motivation of the of the alien. We don't know where it came from. We don't know why it was in the derelict spacecraft. I'm not even going to discuss later on movies. We're just not even going to talk about 
the abominations that are Ridley Scott's later films talking about this. But for the audience, I think, and for me, not having any information about the alien's motivation, that's more terrifying than knowing that, okay, it's a shark. We know that the shark wants to feed, you know, swim and feed and, and eat. You know, we know that. You don't know why. I mean, is it killing people because it likes it, or is it killing people because it has to eat them? It doesn't really eat them. I don't. I don't know. But that's terrifying. I'll also say that the woman in distress trope, not so much in this one. At the end, it kind of becomes that. But in this film, everyone's a victim. A victim. Everyone is in distress. And Ripley. Um. Yeah, this is kind of teetering into spoiler territory, but I mean, the film's been out 40 plus years. So I just have to say that she becomes a lone survivor. And in an interesting way, um, she's one of horror's first final girls is what they, you know, that's a, a trope for horror films, final girl, the final person, the heroine who survives the dangers of whatever happened in that movie and lived to tell about it. Well, that's definitely Ripley, but everybody in this film is in distress and is in danger. Because the Nostromo is in deep space, that environment, there's isolation. And Avery is driven home because the characters, they can't escape the ship when the alien is stalking them. I mean, they do make try to make a plan. It doesn't really go too well. But they're really locked to, uh, into a location that has no options. I mean, just imagine being underwater and something stalking you. And you have to get out, but if you're underwater, how do you get out? You know, you have to go to the lifeboat or whatever it is. And what if the aliens at the lifeboat? I, you know, so this whole premise of the film once they leave LV246 is that they are stuck and then they have to deal with this terrifying force. Another trope, along with what I was just talking about, is that there's suspense, mystery, tension, and fear. All of these are present. And the tension and the suspense and the fear. It just kind of ratchets up all the way through the film until the very final moments. Honestly, once things started happening on the Nostromo, you, the audience, you will get no, you won't be able to relax. It just, everything ratchets up, 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 up. And I think it's a masterclass in how to create tension. Even when you don't see anything, you think you might see something or maybe you hear something and this is just it's just amazing and even now i know what's happening but i still find myself tense when the crew is in the corridors or in the bowels of the ship and they don't know exactly where the alien is it's terrifying it's terrifying and of course with along with that all the emotions in this film they're all heightened i wouldn't say exaggerated but everybody's emotionally distressed because people are dying and you still don't know exactly what this thing is and how to kill it and where it is it's crazy. In this one, there's no psychic connection or ability or link, so we're just going to skip right over that one. And But I do want to talk about gothic language. The other films I covered had some sort of formalized language. And in this one, they're in deep space. They're basically a blue-collar crew of deep space workers as opposed to space adventurers or something like that. Um... They don't speak in formalized language, but they do have their own crew speak. Um, and so there's different phrases and terms that they use throughout the film. And I love what Ridley Scott and the screenwriters have done in this film because they just assume that you're smart enough to catch on 
I mean, we know there is space and we know that there's different things that they have to do. And when they talk about different things, we don't need to know why they're saying what when they're sitting at their workstation in the, in the spacecraft. It's just, it just is. Just like my wife and I were watching a movie called Spotlight uh, the other night. And I've seen Spotlight so many times. I rewatched this film, even though it's got the subject matter is awful about abuse. But the movie is so well done because they just drop you right into the inner workings of a newspaper. And I don't know how a newspaper operates. Never been on a newspaper. Never even been near anybody who knows anything about newspaper or the newspaper business. But they just ask you, the audience, they say, you know what? You're smart enough. Just come with us on this on this journey. And then you'll find out information through the course of the film. And that's the same way Alien does. You know, it doesn't say it just... It just drops you in. You just have to understand the technical jargon and go along with that. So I, that in a sense to me feels gothic just in terms of gothic or formalized language. If we're a modern reader or watcher and say the, the language comes from the 19th or 18th century or whatever, we're not going to understand every nuance of the language. But we don't have to as long as we can still understand the situations because people are people, regardless of when they were born and what time period the story takes place. So the same thing here with Alien. So now that I've rambled on and on and on about the gothic tropes, I kind of want to give you my final verdict. And I think you probably already know this. I love Alien. I mean, I think it feels, fulfills all the tropes for a movie to be considered gothic horror. You know, here's a question I was thinking about before this episode is, how do I recognize a gothic horror movie? And for me, it's the tropes. If I can take these tropes and kind of lay them over and intersperse them throughout the film, that's gothic horror. It doesn't matter what time period it takes place in or where it takes place. If I can apply the tropes to the movie and they all seem to fit or the majority of them seem to fit, then I call it gothic horror. For me, Alien is the perfect example of gothic horror tropes situated in outer space. I mean, Aliens, the film directed by James Cameron, is my favorite film of the franchise, mostly because of all the great characters, and I really identify with the found family element that's in there. But Alien is a classic horror movie. And like I mentioned in the episode with Candyman, I think the same about Alien. It retains all the power of gothic horror storytelling. And in my opinion, I consider it a modern science fiction slash gothic horror masterpiece. So there it is. Alien 1979. Another one on my list. Uh, Again, I want to say, if you're enjoying this content, please share it and tell others about it. I know I said that at the beginning, but I'd really like to make this podcast grow. And I want to try to make this a destination for you when you're in your car, you you're doing some chores or whatever it is, some somewhere where you can listen and maybe find out something new about a film that you've never seen before. And I want to challenge you, even if you're not into horror, but you're saying to yourself, man, these films sound interesting. I challenge you to, Take a look at some of these. And even if you don't want to look at these movies that I'm talking about, take these tropes the next time you're watching a movie and say, you know what? Is this gothic horror? Maybe I can apply these tropes 
And so I'm going to kind of challenge you and see if you can find other movies where you're going, oh my goodness, everything that Kevin's been talking about, there they are. So there it is. Thank you again. I really, really appreciate wherever you're listening and the fact that you're listening. So fellow Gothics, as always, take care of yourselves and be kind to one another. <laughs>